Hey, uh, welcome back for another episode of The Russians. Hi, hello. Um, I think you know who we are by this point, so we'll just uh, dispense with the, the names. What do you think? Uh, I never liked it anyway. It's way too nerdy. Oh, okay. Well, why didn't you say anything? Or you did say things, I just didn't listen to you. What do you mean? Why didn't you ever file a complaint with the uh, <laughs> with the podcast board? <laughs> you call the manager or the supervisor. <laughs> I think the supervisor. <laughs> Uh, there's a toll-free number you can call uh, uh, to um, submit your anonymous uh, tip, anonymous complaints against your coworkers. <laughs> In my intolerable working environment. Yes, you're not being paid enough. You're being forced to work at late hours. Actually, you know. Um, yeah, it's actually a very, pretty it's a very late disorganized here. workplace. Also, <laughs> but who is going to organize it for me? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Maybe we should hire someone. Maybe we should hire some. Maybe we should hire a real boss. <laughs> can, can can anyone work for us for free? <laughs> for free, yeah. We'll pay you in. Um, we can pay them in stablecoin. What's that? Stablecoin is is a cryptocurrency that is worth like point zero 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 of a dollar that. now. Yeah. Can you promise you'll do that? I mean, I could pay them in stablecoin. It's pretty cheap now. Yeah. Also, actually, I could pay them in rubles that they can. Well, that's true. The rubles are they, expensive now. Mm, I think it's semi-fake. Whatever, but if you want to buy a ruble, you have to pay you for it's like 60 rubles to a dollar now. Yeah, I know. It's all of a sudden growing. Yeah. But anyway, my point is that I can pay them in rubles that they can use only in Russia from my Russian bank uh, account. Yeah, that's a good point. They can't spend it. They can, no, they can if they decide to go. Got so, so someone who wants to work for us has to have the we desire to We can pay them in rubles. In order, for, in order for them to have to claim it, they have to actually physically go to Russia. Yes. No. Or they might be able to do it in Turkey if they have a, a card. Maybe. I think it's actually interesting, speaking of those financial systems. From what I heard, uh, so all the Russians who like either at this point semi became emigrate somewhere else, they got um, this, I think it's Chinese, union pay. Mm-hmm. But only certain countries take union pay. One of them is Turkey. But it's, you know, it's funny about this union pay. You know how union, because I was like, you know how everyone was saying how, oh yeah, everything's fine. You know, China is going to come, you know, to Russia's uh, rescue and everything's going to be a great. But, you know, China won't give out union pay cards to the sanctioned banks, right? So only if you non-sanctioned, have non-sanctioned? That's what, what I read, like, I don't know, it's not the most recent news, but it's like... Couple, a couple episodes back. Why I'd would say. they do that if they like supposedly anti-American? Well, they also because there's the. I mean, they're not really. I mean, they're anti-American, but they're very cautious, you know, because they don't want to be sanctioned. I mean, they're like they have a very. It's. I think it's a. They're not like fully going to supporting right. Russia 100 percent and like totally opening their arms. Right, and, right. And, and so it's like you still have to you still have to work through one of the unsanctioned banks. So like, mm-hmm. but most of the large banks are sanctioned. Yeah. So I don't know how that works. It's it's. A, I'm sure it's like it also is a situation that kind of is very in flux. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, if we're putting out, we're putting out a call for a very, very, very part-time uh, manager position. <laughs> you, have to, you have to have very good organizational skills. Uh, we probably won't listen to what you, uh, what you say, <laughs> and you have will have no power to over any kind over us. You and don't we, need to have any people skill at all. And we'll pay you in stable coin that will be converted into rubles. That seems like a well, good deal. Give, you, you know how to get in touch with us if you're interested. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, on this note, um, should we well, segue into our topic? I wanted to do, do an episode just because, well, uh, how many days ago? It's now four days ago. It was the May 9th uh, Victory Day, um, which is like, you know, the, one of the, other than probably New Year's is like the biggest holiday and biggest day, I'd say the most important day. In Russia? Would you say? In Russia. Yeah, in Russian society. most important. Uh, it's like, a, you know, and, every, and so, you know, there's a parade in, in most of the big cities. Oh, uh, and 
and uh, in Moscow in particular, there's a huge parade that goes down uh, Tverskaya, right, and into Red Square. It um, starts in Red Square. Yeah, that's right. It starts in Red Square and it goes. Oh, where does it end up, actually? Hmm. Never thought about it. I don't know. It just kind of passes and disappears into the. No, I actually don't the, know where, <laughs> it end, where it ends. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, well, I guess there might be some kind of yeah, something to look in. Something to look but into. But I think they're, they they do allow tanks to go down to the sky, which is really impressive. Yeah, well, they, well, they change they change the asphalt like every other you know every year. So. Ah, that's right. But, they, <laughs> but that's not because of the tanks. <laughs> no, I don't think so. They have but they, I think schemes. they might have the special like rubber things that they put on them. Uh, maybe because they, 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 otherwise I think they cut up the. I'm sure someone more knowledgeable in sort of hardware will you know fact check us, but I'm pretty sure they, because those those things are really. I mean, if you look at how tanks are, like how when they when they enter cities, I mean they just tear through. They just completely tear through everything. I guess they do put something on them, but yeah. Anyway, so um, and this year was obviously kind of special, and uh, we very special. We, obviously, we're not we're not there, but we watched um, a bit of uh, the recording of the kind of parade and uh, put in a speech. Because they have a televised, usually like a live televised feed. This year, I mean, I watched it through the, actually the Kremlin.ru website. Um, They have a nice, they had a nice, like very high quality. Did you have to use VPN? Is it blocked? No, they're they're allowing it. Why is that? Well, because I, okay, because just for people who don't know, when this, when the special operation started, when the war began um, in uh, in February, in late February, the Kremlin website was, Unavailable right, from right. like most American. I if you're an American, you know, for, trying to like access through an American ISP, it was like it would it would be just, it would just hang. It wouldn't load. Um, I, and a lot. Of, I, I thought that initially I thought that maybe it's the, the American side blocking it, but it's actually that was not what was happening. The Kremlin, uh, Kremlin, the Kremlin was doing that themselves. They were, uh, they were restricting, like basically entire countries from accessing. Kremlin the webpage because I think they were being hit by uh, cyber attacks to take down the website and so to protect themselves from these basically what they're called DDoS attacks like Interesting. denial distribute uh, it's like this one DDoS attack is when it's like you get these you have these bots that reload the webpage essentially all at the same time like you know thousands and thousands and thousands of them and so to, to crash the webpage and once when you crash the webpage actually it allows like there's could be errors that are an error occurs and it actually allows sometimes easier access to like actually penetrate the system, but usually they're just taken offline like that. And so I think to protect themselves, the Kremlin began blocking entire ranges of of IP addresses from from America, I don't, maybe from even from Europe. Um, and early on in those weeks, when I actually wanted to get some transcripts of Putin's speeches and things like that, uh, I actually had to pay for a VPN service that. Where I could like go in through Macedonia, I went through Macedonia, and if you go through Macedonia, for instance, just one example, you could access the website of Kremlin.ru, or you can go through Serbia, and they would allow you to like uh, access the Kremlin's websites. But apparently, the DDoS attacks um, abated, and so um, yeah, I was able to like load this basically like this two gigabyte or something file, you know, from from Kremlin directly. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we, 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 you know, we watched the parade and, and Putin's speech, and uh, I just generally wanted to talk about, like, the, you know, this is something that Evgenia wrote about in her great essay about, like, the sort of the, the weird politics um, that, you know, sort of Putin is presenting and trying to, like, cobble together about this new Russian world or the Ruski Mir, you know, which is sort of combines this strange, you know, mixture of kind of... Um, white Russian sort of imperialism, uh, Tsarist sort of, uh, 
I don't know, narratives, historical narratives, uh, Orthodox Christianity, and like and 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 also graft onto that Soviet narratives, um, certain ones um, that expedient ones. Yeah, yeah. The only one is um, victory in the Great Patriotic War. The Soviet victory over Nazi Germany. Yeah, and, and, and fascist, that's yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much. It's interesting. That's pretty much the only time Putin and whatever people like, cl- close to him and y- use the word Soviet to describe something in a very positive light. It's almost never happens otherwise. It's a contrast, you know, like, so the speech that he gave today, I mean, we can talk a little bit more in detail, but in on, it, he on honored... May 9th. On May 9th, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, uh, that Putin gave this, this speech in front of this, you know, huge, in front of Red Square, which is completely filled with these rows and rows of soldiers, you know, perfectly aligned, um, you know, walking information, you know, he st- stood up. Uh, and you know, delivered this pretty short speech. Actually, it wasn't very long, but you know, in it, he obviously always you know referenced the defenders of the home of the motherland of the fatherland. And he did praise the unity of Soviet people. Yes, and that's you know, it's you in never... contrast. It's in contrast that you know his his praise of the Soviet Union and their its victory over this over, over forces of fascism. You know, uh, it was in contrast to the very very critical um, uh, view that he had of. Uh, Soviet power in his initial speech when he right the day before he launched this operation where he yeah. criticized the Soviet Union for essentially uh, and Lenin you know the creator of the Soviet Union uh, for essentially causing this war with Ukraine or forcing Russia to invade Ukraine because of the choices that Lenin made in, in, in how he and how um, he wanted to organize the Soviet republics and, and how um, to you know so they would have on paper sovereignty and things like that so there's so he's, you know, he's very, on this day, he's very, he praises the Soviet Union, but generally he's a very, very, you know, anti-Soviet and um, anti-communist. And so, yeah. yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it looked sad. He find gathered, now there's so few of them alive, um, like this, um, there were maybe one or two women there uh, behind Putin in Red Square while he was giving speech, there were this veterans of uh, the Second World War, and there's so few of them now. I think there were like... I, I know they're more than the ones that just stood next to him, but it looked kind of just sad. Yeah, no, it's depressing. I mean, there's just two of them, and, and they didn't even Looking look very sour. happy. No, they look kind of sour. I, I'm not ascribing any kind of opinions yeah. regarding the current war. But yeah, but it somehow was <laughs> depressing as hell. Um, but yeah, so, okay. Do I mean, you know? yeah, well, because I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I've always liked... Look, it's like this. I've always liked this day, because you know May Day. I mean, everyone it was, does. Yes, I've always liked this day. I know that you know a lot. Of, some of your friends and you know my friends as well in in Russia have kind of been sour. Have been soured on May 9th for quite a few years now, because they've they they you know because well we haven't full lived in Russia for sort of full time for for a long time and they living there. Yeah. yeah, and I was trying to remember actually the last time I saw. I mean, at least parts of the parade um, was in 2010. I can't believe it was that long ago because I was, um, you know, I was there. I think it was my last year of university. And um, so. But that, no, but you saw one more recently in, no, in St. Petersburg. And then, okay, yeah. but that's in Moscow, the main yes. parade. Yeah. And then in St. Petersburg, it was 2017. Yeah. Uh, and remember, we were with your friend and it was depressing as hell. But also in St. Petersburg, it's less grand. Yes. So it kind of. Also looks just kind of pathetic. It looks more yeah. well, from a from as a Moscowite. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a Moscowite, obviously no, all, all, say, the par- the all the parades just not... look pathetic. Yeah, because you don't have the grand. Yeah, it's not so grandiose and monumental. And rightly so. It's like yeah. you know, and your friend was very down in it because of the hypocrisy of it all. While we were a bit more, I don't know, back then I was a bit more 
I don't know. I wouldn't say neutral, but I wasn't necessarily seeing what he was seeing. Because they had to see this stuff every day, and and we'll get into what 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 it is they were seeing. And I remember actually, I think that same day we then met up with your friend um, Marina. Yeah, and like, and then and then kind of it was like the the parade had ended, and it was sort of all these sort of happy drunk people kind of sort of scattering around the city, and, right, and right. They, they were kind of you know everyone was having a good time, and she was really disgusted with with this with this whole scene because, you know. And I remember talking to her about this, and you know, and she's she was right, and it was it already started back then, what five years ago, that like, she, I mean, she saw it as essentially, you know, a kind of a, I don't know, like a state-sponsored exercise in historical revisionism, right? Where which she was right, yeah, where the this this capitalist, you know, she's actually a, like a hardcore communist, you know, where so and she saw this capitalist or neoliberal this quasi like white Russian Tsarist weird you know Russian Orthodoxy kind of ma- mashup ideology and you know in an oligarchy and extremely rapacious and predatory and counter-revolutionary and reactionary being a yeah. parasite on that memory yes and basically yes parasiting on that memory like you wrote in your essay too about it like that she just she was really disgusted with it. I mean viscerally I remember her being actually very angry and I didn't quite um I understood what she was saying intellectually, but I didn't, it didn't quite like register with me on a gut level. Um, and I'm, I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more there with her now. I, I'd say like right. I, it's, it's much more obvious to me now. You know, with this this war kind of made it, you know, and you can't like you can't not see it essentially, um, even if you're even if we're even if we're not there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, and, and the, the, there's for me, and I'm sure for her as well. You know, for all, all of us, it's like has a personal component because we, the reason why, you know, we've talked about this before. The reason why the Kremlin deploys this particular historical memory, collective memory, as a way, of, you know, as as part of its propaganda, is because it really does touch every pretty family. much every every person in in Russia right now, you know, and, right. uh, and, you know, pretty much everyone had, there's someone who died or someone who served and died, uh, or survived and, 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 uh, came back from the front. But so it is like, and people, you know, it's their grandparents essentially. Um, and now it's, you know, great grandparents. Great grandparents. Right. But, and actually connected to this, it's kind of interesting. I think Marina was talking about it too. Uh, our Marxist friend back in St. Petersburg is that uh even sort of the real what do you call it like people's initiatives has that has nothing to do with kremlin or like state propaganda mm-hmm. they get immediately subverted co-opted, co-opted, co-opted subverted, yeah, yeah definitely so and one that has got so huge and kind of uh, you know at this point definitely gross uh is um uh, the Immortal Regiment. Immortal Regiment, which, again, I actually remember in 2010 when I was still in Moscow, I think that was the first year they had a big uh, Immortal Regiment recession. Uh, it was the first one big in Moscow, so it yes. was fully supported by, you know, Kremlin and everything. Anyway, and it, what's interesting why I bring it up, so Immortal Regiment is this idea, I think, what was it developed first in even in Siberia? Is it in Tomsk? Uh, that's it a was good definitely question. an initiative actually, of some yes, journalists. Yes, yes, I think that's right. I think you're right. It's, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, so Immortal Regiment thing yes. uh, was invented. Definitely, it's like um, bottom up, bottom up uh, people's initiative by like um, I think if, a couple if, of journalists, a few journalists in and uh, Tomsk, which is like actually in Siberia, a small uh, academic uh, town, uh, and then not immediately, but 
pretty quick. Yes. It somehow got all this like weird state support uh, and got, got co-opted and turned into something else. And the and the immortal regiment is basically what people walk with pictures of their of their of their ancestors. Ancestors uh, who were connected in some way to the war. Yes. And uh, frequently it, it's people who, who per- perished, but it's not only. Not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, but it got to the point where now, like, I think you go to a, a supermarket and you can get like a special. You know, they already sell like pre-made sticks. You know, with a border. Really? I saw pictures of those. Yeah, uh, like, and you can just like slide in a picture of your uh, photo of your, you know, of your grandpa well, or whatever. Well, as an idea, again, if you don't think about the current war or generally Kremlin and stuff, I can see how it was appealing to people in some way because it's sort of just. Um, Again, not connected to any ideology, just a sort of way to write commemorating your um, you know, g- glorious ancestors. Yeah. It's funny. I think even, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like it's, yeah, it's fun. I think even the creators um, even started criticizing it as when, after it was co-opted. After it was co-opted. It yeah. looked, I mean, now, now now knowing a little bit of history, yeah, okay, it got co-opted and it turned into something else and I can see why people would be disgusted by it. But it was always looking a bit creepy, I don't know, because there's something uh, I was just thinking about. Obviously, it's not connected, but there's something weird, like, um, you know, we, we talk about, I'm kind of interested in this philosopher, Nikolai Fyodorov, mm-hmm. and this whole resurrection of uh, the ancestors project uh, yes. of the pre-Soviet. He was like a pre-Soviet philosopher. but um, And uh, the resurrection of ancestors was connected to his idea of that being the only and the ultimate... Um, Justice. Yes. As, yeah. 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 It, but there's something. I know it's not the same, but it's something weird when you look. You can look up, look up the pictures from processions from different years, and they got bigger and bigger. And the Moscow one is really kind of grand. Yeah. Uh, it just looks bizarre. There's like huge blow. Uh, what do you call blow, blown up photos? Photographs, yeah. photographs. It's a bit creepy, even though I, I, yeah. I imagine there's like a genuine intent and feeling there. There's an interesting thing about it. I mean, I have two thoughts about it. One thought is that, like, if you actually kind of zoom out, and th- there's a very like orthodox Christian kind of uh, vibe to it, right? You, well, like they're Fedor- walking with icons. Fedor- like, Fedorov was a Christian. I know that, but they're like walking with these icons. Essentially, they're, they, right. they've made their um, or like their, almost like saints. They right? miss. They're exactly an icon has is, is icons will have saints on them, right? So they've they're created saints out of their out of their ancestors who fought in this war. And they're sort of doing this kind of procession, and there are these orthodox processions that they have that they're carrying the cross, carrying a bunch of right. I mean, this is right. it's like a so. There's visually, it's actually kind of interesting because it takes a Soviet Soviet, I you know uh, something that that happened in the Soviet Union, and it sort of for, fast forwards it actually into into modern Russia, which is again like there's a, re, a big revival of orthodox Christianity. But I don't know. It's don't like so. I, I disagree because again, initially it was a good idea because it seems like. Yeah, during you know Soviet times, mm, I feel like actually the veterans were not valued enough and remembered enough, and especially women. And there are all these books about how some women veterans who like true, were, some of them were true heroes, were even hiding the fact that they went to the war. And it seems like the general vibe from what I read, and generally it dis- does seem like. Only someone like Marshal Zhukov and the, the top generals yeah. were always commemorated, remembered. Their streets are called, um, you know, after them. Yes. There are little, like, I don't know, buildings that are, say, oh, this marshal, this general lived here. But what about everyone else? Basically, in my head, it doesn't, this procession, or the, I guess the initial idea doesn't really contradict the Soviet project in any way. 
you know? No, no, no. I mean, in the Soviet Union, it was not a very sentimental... <laughs> I don't disagree. I'm just saying that there's, like, on one level, uh, when you kind of just look at it visually, there is there, there is that quality. Um, but I, I definitely agree. I mean, I thought it's not... I, I, it's not a... It's not... It's a good idea, and it it is... It has value, you know, as like a kind of as a, as a personal, you know, uh, as people just aren't just aren't just attending these things as pure spectators are standing right, on the right. sidelines sidelines and like watching as the nuclear warhead, you know, is being like driven by them. But it's actually which is like you know just a show of strength, more right. about commemorating the losses of their personal sacrifices of their of their grandparents and their parents and. Um, and even sometimes it's like spouses and stuff like that, you know, like right. and and like actually walking along in the procession. I don't think it's you know I don't think it's like a purely Christian Orthodox thing, but it does. I mean, especially when it's become become a state sponsored thing, it has it has a ritual a ritualization to it, which right. is kind of it has that kind of creepy quality that you were talking about, you know. Right, it looks that, creepy. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Especially when it has like it has the mass, mass, mass quality, and but then you know again they were this was a sporadic thing, and I think that. A lot of people just because a lot of the you know Russia has a huge diaspora spread around all, all over the world, and I think even you know there was like small kind of yeah, yeah happening little, actually abroad. Yes, yeah. it happened abroad. It and took off, and so people just kind of came out with with pictures of By their the grandparents. By the way, not not yes. this year. I think some European countries banned them. Which again, back to our main point that proves <laughs> my initial kind of disgust immediately after the invasion in the first week that that's what's going to happen and that's what they're doing like by using and fully weaponizing uh, the memory of the victory <laughs> in the Second World War to support this war. They at the same time going to fully destroy it, its um, sacred status. I mean, he's they're dipping fully into that and dipping fully into that into this cultural kind of glue that holds that holds Russian society together the one shared experience and the one shared thing they're fully but like, they dip into to to help uh, promote their war now unity. yeah yeah promote the war and supposedly yes. keep the unity yeah so they're like they're they're doing they're like they're like it's like a resource that they're like extracting to the maximum and i don't know you know like it's they don't have much else yeah, they don't have much else and i mean how long can they bank on that you know i don't know maybe for a long time maybe for a long time yeah it's not clear when that resource will end because again I don't know what has to happen for this not to work anymore. What yeah. do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I mean, well, people will have to turn against the war. I mean, I think, like, I think, I mean, that's because if people support the war, and I think that this is the right thing. Yeah, I, I imagine. I mean, that's a simplistic idea, but still, maybe if there will be a general um, draft mobilization. Yeah. Maybe that will be a sort of a schism in that unity. Maybe. You know, because that's something But people that... will have to not support the general draft. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a, I, you, I don't know what the what deal... What do you mean? Like, because I, I, look, at this point, I mean, let's just be, let's be honest. Like, at so this they point, would support general I just think that the, from what I've heard from people in Russia, I mean, I, I think a sizable number of people, a percentage of the population does not support this thing. But I think there's, a, you know... No, I know a lot of people Mo support. A lot of people, if not most people, support the war. But and that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, where is the kind of the line? I thought maybe if the general draft happens, yeah. the, something will change. Because they, they've I mean, been again. passively sort of quiet and semi-united in the patriotic sentiment right now. Well, actually, you don't have to do anything. Is a bit different from experiencing trying to dodge the draft, for instance. Look, I don't know, but like I'm just telling you, if people think the draft is 
if they think it's valid. It's not just the draft. I think the people have to turn uh, be against the war because the people could support the draft. Because because I look. I, But okay, what yeah. what do you think then? Can I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't have an answer. I don't have. I don't have an answer for what could. When will the when will they fully extract the value the the sort of the content uh, uh, of World War II memory and when you know they're using it to prop up the legitimacy of of this sort of war in Ukraine and generally the the you know the Putin sort of I don't know government and Putin's uh, um, ruling uh, ruling clique and you know uh, like they're using it to, uh, as a way of, of providing support for it. And as as someone actually smartly pointed out, you know what they're doing is sort of red washing them, their, their, themselves, in a way that like for some reason, for, for for example, you know Israel or, or will pink wash their own society, say look how progressive we are, we you know there's gay people, you know we have the gay parade in Tel Aviv, people live openly and like and and so we're this progressive society is a way to kind of uh, legit whitewash the crimes of. Of the occupation and and how they treat Palestinians, mm-hmm. um, in 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 the same way, um, or you know the pink washing even happens here. You know they'll they'll do the, the there's the the parade here, the pride parade here in San Francisco. You know there'll be like the San Francisco Police Department will be involved. You know, they'll be, be uh, and it's a way of sort of whitewashing the you know the brutality of the police department here with the, them being gay friendly and being LGBTQ friendly, right? Um, But uh, in, in, so in that same way, what Putin's uh, Putin's people are doing are using sort of the memory of the Soviet Union and of the Red Army, and using that reputation, which is uh, in the in World War II, as to 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 white to whitewash themselves. Uh, and someone pointed out they're gonna like they're gonna whitewash themselves so much. No, red wash. They're gonna red wash themselves so much. They're gonna wash themselves so much. They're gonna become out white at the other end, as white Russians. <laughs> But so wait, if you red wash, it was this is a joke. It's just a joke. Yeah, yeah they're gonna like bleach themselves to to expose who they really are, the white Russians. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how long they'll be able to do that. You know, I, I have no answer for that. But but well, we'll but, see. but it's. I don't want to make any predictions. I think it'd be dumb dumb to do so. I mean, but I'll just give you like you know, for instance, give you an example, like just to for people who just to remind people why this why this memory is so powerful. I mean, a quarter of the population of Belarus died during World War II. You know, quarter, one out of every four pe- people. That's crazy. And, and you know, part of that was my own family. In Poland, you know, Poland also had like something like, I don't know, between 15 and 20% of the population got wiped out. Ukraine, same, between 15 and 20%. You know, it's, it's, so uh, there, I think in the rest of the, uh, most of the USSR was like, uh, the combined USSR was 15% of the population. So it's a huge amount of yeah. people just, you know, died. And so it touches everyone. Um, And um, and so they're using it to the maximum. And I, I don't know. I, 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 But at least, again, just yeah. to reiterate my point, because I don't know, I'm, I keep talking about it, but I think it's valid. The fact that so many people died and it was horrific and it seems like they were not necessarily ready for this war and that's why there were even more you know, casualties than yeah. if they were ready, whatever. But ultimately, on average, people whose family and relatives died in that war, at least... They felt for a long time that uh, that was a just war. De- yes. Generally, it was just uh, honorable war. And, the sacrifice uh, was justified, I guess. Yeah. In in a way, because you know the other, <laughs> the other. It was totally justified. Yeah, the outcome, the other outcome would have been much worse. That's the idea of um, yeah. generally on average people in Russia. So that I feel like you know, in some ways, what's happening now, it's so disgusting because yeah. it can ultimately almost 
And exactly. I feel like that idea can almost change and it's disgusting to use it to prop up this war. But I do want to say, and you, you know about that stuff, Did you read uh, Lyod, right? Um, what's that guy's name? Alternative history. Uh, Russian guy. Uh, Ledakol. Ledakol, not Lyod. Ledakol. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah. more of... Um, Uh, he's like an alternative historian, or what yeah. do you call it? But, but Because I think it's interesting to talk about it. Since I've been kind of surrounded, I mean, I would say all my life, but I just didn't think about it, by Russian liberals. And then later, uh, even the, you know, my, uh, I guess, great uncle, he died a few years back, would talk like that. Um, so there was definitely some percentage of Russians, uh, despite the fact that they were connected to the war and, you know, that some of their family perished there. They believed in this kind of interesting alternative history, which now seems like could have been, can be now on the rise among the McGray community, I bet, is that actually that war was not honorable and was not just, and all those sacrifices were not justified. Because ultimately, Stalin was um, yeah. on par, if not worse, than um, Hitler. No, because the, the theory is that he, Hitler was, did not invade Russia, or the, he did not invade the Soviet Union. It was he, Hitler was fighting a preventative war right. against the Soviet invasion that was being planned by Stalin. So it's a Viktor Savorov is the guy, and he's just this very shady character who, uh, I mean, he might be, he might be, it might be true, but he. Uh, He positions himself as 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 a. I um, actually read. Actually, I read. I read his like, uh, his book where he describes how he he was a he was a military intelligence. He was a military intelligence. He was like, you know, rising star. The military intelligence. He okay. was stationed in in Europe somewhere. Mm -hmm. I I read this book like 20 years ago probably. Um, so I'm trying to remember it. Uh, and he and he you know Wait, he 20 defected. years ago you were in America. He, How'd I read it in America, yeah. How did you find out um, about it? A friend of mine uh, here uh, recommended it. Who he was more like he came, he immigrated to to America much later in life as a teen. So he was you know kind of like no no um, this, you don't know this guy named Bronik. Um, a nice guy actually, but he he really liked him. He thought it was he had some great um, some great insight actually. And I didn't read it here, no, because I couldn't find it. But he, I remember him telling me about it. And when I was in when I was in Saint Petersburg, when I moved back to Russia. I, I went to a bookstore on, on uh, Nevsky uh, and you know there was like a whole shelf of his book because he was right. a very prolific writer and he's the shady character he his he says that he was you know a military intelligence station in Europe and at some point he decided to defect and he defected and you know and then he ended up in in, in England and began, sort of started writing wrote, wrote started writing books very critical of the Soviet Union and you know his most famous book is this icebreaker which where he does this revisionist history of world war ii and of, of sort of the of operation barbarossa saying that actually if if you look at like a couple of different elements uh you it turns the whole thing on its head and that stalin was was going to invade germany and right. gonna invade europe and it's going to occupy europe <laughs> and actually hitler is the savior of europe and so he's doing a preemptive Uh, invasion of the Soviet Union to head off this thing, and so and and the, and, and 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 look, and there's actually a pretty good book. I'll link to it in, I'll link to it in uh, the post that we publish. That actually like kind of a, actually, uh, like starts with that premise and looks at it because it's a very popular premise. Like it's very popular among um, Russian liberals. Like uh, uh, Russian liberals, it's very popular. It's actually popular in America among certain you know like. It's very popular with like libertarians and basically anyone who's anti-Soviet, which is pretty much everybody in America. Um, you know, it's popular in certain you know like sort of these sort of 
I'd say it's I'd say it's uh, I, I don't want to say that it's like um, I mean I'd say versions of that story versions of it maybe not exactly Savorov's thesis but versions of it which is that you know Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union are equally bad and are equally sort of genocidal and are you know like on par with each other are like pretty much um, like someone like Ann Applebaum or right. um, or Timothy Snyder you know these sort of these 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 heavyweights of, of Soviet history who you know are like just I don't know. Like you'll read them in so they you, know, New York, they, you, New York. you know for sure that they, they're espousing it, right? I don't know if they're espousing exactly Savorov's like thesis because his is very particular in what he uses. But like generally, that the equation between the the the, the, the evil of the Soviet Union and um, Nazi Germany, which is kind of like a corollary of what Savorov's you know Savorov's theory. Yeah, you know, it comes yeah. out of it. Yeah, um, but, but you know what, what's yeah. bizarre? All these experts, for sure. I mean, whatever they have their own agenda. But I find find it so weird. He, it seems like my great uncle was not senile till the very end. Uh, he lived a long life, died in his 90s. But um, yeah, uh, most um, guys in his um, class yeah. went to war, and I think most of them perished. Like, yes. That's very common because I think he was born in uh, something like 23. Yes. So he perfect age <laughs> to get drafted in high school. Yes. Uh, but his vision, he was kind of lucky. He was so bad that he had honestly, didn't, he didn't try to dodge yeah. the draft. He wasn't like, he couldn't go. And so he survived. But he told the stories because obviously not all of his friends died. That's someone who returned. Uh, it's one friend. But I don't know. Obviously it's questionable and there are all this whatever narratives that's a, that are bizarre. But basically, uh, I think... Um, his friend was in aviation yeah and the uh, he, the the story goes something like this that there were this german speaking uh with, you know russians who learned german uh for, for for many years and many of them were there specifically <laughs> because stalin was preparing to i guess attack yeah but but to me the story it's a very shortened version yeah. of the story it's a very a bit questionable because let's say stalin wanted to attack why do your officers need to speak german yeah. why do they need to know german yeah. what does it matter if you're gonna invade yeah. i don't know i mean it's it's pretty interesting i mean i guess it's like it speaks to the deep anti the kind of the, anti you know, anti you know, well or just like anti-stalinist i you know um, i mean i don't know what, what your what your uncle believed but like i mean i'm not i'm not surprised that like sort of there's like conspiracy theories are kind of coursing through Soviet society about the intention of that war but why not like there's all sorts of conspiracy theories in every society it just basically it's it's like there's no historical record I mean it's like this it's pretty simple like the, there has yet to be found any kind of record in the archives Soviet archives that Stalin was going to invade no no, yeah. I, I, no, no I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying but then but if you actually go to the German archives and the German record I mean it is basically the, the preparations for an invasion and the idea of you know turning you know like the soviet union and belarus and ukraine into like a, a kind of a you know a heaven on earth for 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 aryan for aryan settlers and for aryan farmers right. um was like i mean these are these are things that you you know hitler himself talked about very they were planning for this it was Open, like a, yeah is, so there's so on the one side you have like so Suvorov, if i remember correctly he you know uses these like I mean, the, they're, that they were like, I mean, something like seriously, like they had like the train gauges that they were using were like geared for Germany. Like right, the right. tanks were like pointed in a certain direction. 
<laughs> and another direction and <laughs> yeah, said that proves yeah. <laughs> na zapad <laughs> exactly they were like the tourists returned to the west you know something gonna, rather than I mean, it, so the, basically the, it was the original operations there's no, basically Suvorov gives no hist, uh, hist, um, documentary evidence do you feel he was just a defector who wanted to establish himself in the west and that's how he did it I mean he, he seems like a I'm very saying? yeah he seems like a, I, I don't know I actually I, I don't know you know much about him to be honest because but I, like I, tricksters I, like that they exist I, he, I, I mean I feel he's a, like a kind of a con man of that's some what kind. I'm saying yeah. and that's was his way I'm I almost I'm, I'm not I'm judging him, but like almost okay, he defected, and yeah. that's how he found a way to live, you know. Exactly, and your... like, and he sold, and he sold a certain story to. I mean, if he is, if it's, he was truly a military intelligence uh, guru, you know, um, then he's already a sociopath, essentially, trained to be a sociopathic, trained to lead, lead, lead a you know, kind of a dual life, lead to a life of of, of trickery, <laughs> and so. And so, like, uh, and if he's, yeah, if he's ambitious and he knows, he, he knows exactly what people want to hear. But I'm surprised no one killed him. Actually. I mean, it's basically the story of most most defectors, who you know, like they're they're, if they're not like that by nature, they're pressured in or in you know the pressures to produce, kind of to confirm or produce the the views of like the people the people that take you in are very right, high, right. you know, and so. And so you know, yeah. So there's there's a lot of that. And so what you're what you're describing now is basically a lot of liberals believe in this, yeah. because their hatred of Stalin and of the Soviet Union is so great that they are. It's easier for them to believe that the Nazi that Nazis are actually not bad than to believe in the goodness or the righteousness of this of this of this of this war of of the Soviet effort. It seems like this is has another almost like um, it's on the rise again. Yes, because now they almost like look at this it's like they connect the dots yeah. like if he's doing this what then, could have been yes so and I, i'm not saying it's like it's almost like it's like this uh it's one of my criticism it's almost like less insane now and i'm disgusted by it but it sounds less insane now yeah. than it was a year ago i mean it still sounds insane to me because if you completely want to be historical about everything and just like sort of connect things but i i hear what you're saying i'm i'm no, just no. I'm talking not exa- about I'm not, the impressionistically. Not. I'm not saying there is any historical veracity to yeah. it. I'm not saying this. All I'm saying is that uh, by what Putin did, he's giving, I'm saying these people are horrible in their own way, but he's giving them another incentive to sort of spread <laughs> spread that kind of narrative. Speaking of which, I just remember, That's my mom, what? I remember, recommended this book to me also, like pretty pretty recently. She's like, oh, this this is, uh, icebreaker by Victor Savarov. My point is that it's not even surprising. It's pretty widely no, yeah, read yeah. by not Russians recently, but especially. a few years ago. So, but yeah, yeah, but it's like in in the in the emigre community, who's which is pretty much you know very anti-Soviet, obviously selectively so, uh, people who left the Soviet Union, you know, uh, yeah, it's like it's an appealing theory, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's because it helps to expose this is how you know this is, that, that like even that Stalin is even worse than the biggest monster, right? Right. Um, and I but but he but here's my thing is I I, I agree with you that they're kind of um, extracting as much value as they can from the memory of this you know soviet victor over nazi over nazi germany right but i actually you know thinking about it and sort of like you know um i actually they i think they are going to have still it's going to get a lot of mileage out of that out of that thing for for quite a while this thing is i think as much as i actually i don't i i think it's fucked up i i'd i'd rather they like you know, it, it, but but it's it has it's so potent that yeah, and yet it's so surreal, right? Like one of the uh, you know, speaking of back to the May Day, there's all this memorabilia that is commonly used um, 
for the May Day, uh, you know, like the uh, posters that they spread around. One of the uh, most famous ones, like I recognize it, you know, Zuba, like let's say they use like Ukrainian, yes. you know, hero of war. <laughs> they keep using him. Yes. But it's just, that's one of the surreal aspects. Okay, so you saying, okay, back in the day, it was like United Soviet people, yeah. Motor, yeah. Soviet people but now it's all fractured and Ukrainians are Nazis it just no but the continuity of this is so bizarre I know they're saying and, and that's what I'm saying I even wrote it down it seems like I was trying to follow the logic because yes. they try to it, it's mostly surreal but there's some kind of strain of logic he's following I think they're trying to say that it's like West's f- fault of the West Yes. that they basically took in a way Ukraine sucked it into the evil vile yeah. <laughs> gay Nazi shit Yes. In, a, in a way and they're uh the west in general uh he put in, in this speech uh, said like can- basically tries to cancel already canceling a thousand year traditions and values yes and they stuck to kind of it seems like ukraine into it and that's how ukraine turned you know that's one of their main yeah. propaganda points on state tv on channel one is that ukrainians are like gay nazis yes satanic gay nazis but here's the thing i don't know i don't think like this kind of propaganda doesn't need logical consistency. I mean, and there doesn't need to be. I mean, I think it's all kind of emotional. I don't see it as as that problematic because I just don't think there has to be a logical consistency. And they're of course ramping it up as to explain why Ukrainians are resisting liber- being liberated. That clearly not the Nazi disease has spread deeper and, and wider than they imagined. Right. That's their. That's, that's their the, kind of. Um, that's the <laughs> official, but, official and, statement. And so, but I don't think that them showing a sort of a Soviet Ukrainian hero, right on the on the on the poster, contradicts that necessarily. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's it, it, it there. They also, I think, bombed his house or like his house partially right. got destroyed or something. Right. Right. Or right. something like that. I in think Harkov, he was from yeah. Kharkov. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's perfect. I mean, so like, so you know, but that's like probably. What about a, the stories of the um, you know Jewish Ukrainian survivors who are some of them still alive? Oh yeah. Who yeah. survived the Second World War and who, who's been either like dead a, or, bo- or been, house or like houses the, been bombed and they're dying in the bit cold basements from just you know hiding hunger, from Russian bombs, yeah. hunger and old age and hiding from Russian bombs and not being able to comprehend it. Those. You know, um, well, Jenny, look, sometimes there's sometimes like in order to liberate a huge mass of people, sometimes there's some casualties, you know, of innocence. <laughs> you know, I would I would say this to you from a movie I really like, which is somewhat applicable to the situation for a few. For a few to live. <laughs> to live forever. Many die. Oh, yeah. For a few to live forever, uh, many must die. I'm going to butcher your quote. Sorry, baby. <laughs> it's from in time. Yeah. So for a few, it's literally like the but it's not even Kremlin, for, for Kremlin a few to drive uh, Mercedes's um, Maybox, you know. Many, many must, must die. die. Yeah, but it's true in America. I mean, it's true everywhere. There's like a war. Yes. Of of the, of the rich for whatever their power, and you know, actually, I started reading um, the journey to the end of the night. I think is actually what really captures the spirit of this specific war in Lesline, and. He says exactly the same thing. Who gives a shit? It's like the poor people who have to die in the mud. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't know. I'll tell you this. It's like what this war did, actually. And this is why I joke that, you know, like, I mean, Putin is essentially like a a NATO sleeper agent. Or like you might even be a a Bandera, a a secret Bandera, Banderovitz, you know, because like what he's done with this war. uh, And especially because he didn't like successfully 
succeed in pursuing it, right? Like he, he didn't like move into Ukraine, and basically do regime change and like, you know, cl- clear, clear, like clear this sort of this, these Nazis that he's fighting against and put like non-Nazis in power, mm-hmm. right? What he did is he just sort of like went in there, riled everybody up, actually made these this, uh, some of the more like, you know, the, 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 these Nazi battalions, these neo-Nazi battalions into heroes, into bigger heroes than they were already Huge were. Huge yeah. right now, in, yeah. To the point where like the, their wives are like visiting the Pope and stuff. <laughs> and Pope and gonna Pope negotiate. And like listening to them and like nodding along thinking like, what the fuck am I gonna do with this shit? You know? And so, and so, you know, he's, he's actually made NATO more powerful, right? And, you're gonna, and NATO is going to have two more new members, Sweden and Finland, pretty soon, meaning that, you know, Russia is going to have NATO on its border in the north, about a thousand miles, and a very strategic border, cutting off. Uh, it's, it's like one of its, one of its few, um, you know, maritime uh, entryways in, in, into Russia that doesn't freeze over <laughs> in the winter. Um, and... Um, you know, he's so he's he's making he's making NATO great again. He's making Bandera great again. You know, so in a way, his this this stupid invasion and this this like bungled invasion that he did, you know, is actually kind of having the opposite effect of rather than fighting fascism or fighting Nazis, he's actually empowering them and making them even more powerful. I think in Ukrainian uh, society, and so yeah, and so I, I think actually my my argument is always the kind of the opposite, like despite the fact that these people exist there and they're very toxic and it is, and they are like weirdly supported by America and they have been since the Soviet Union, um, since, since the end of World War II, like what, he, what Putin's invasion, the contradictory effect of Putin's invasion is to actually make them stronger. Right. And, and so... Um, but I, I think yeah. it's a super interesting theory, but whatever, why do I say unfortunately? But I don't think it's... It's true. Wait, that he's an agent? The whole sleeper agent. But it's kind of a cool I mean, theory because just, he went yeah. to Dresden and not only Dresden, whatever, he's Germany yeah. and probably was. I'd say the theory, it's, I think this, the theory is pretty silly, yeah. but it's, what it does highlight is it, it sort of, it highlights how. Who benefits from this? Exactly. Kind of that. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's more of a, it's more like a rhetorical device to show. I know. You know, to show like that, how, what, 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 what like even in his stated goals, if you take them at face value, right. he's failing like massively. To me, what's bizarre, if the argument that Putin and his people are using that it's actually a proxy war of almost like America or the West against them, against Russia, fine, let's say it's true. Yes, it's like Ukraine is a proxy and it's actually Russia is at war or the West is at war with Russia and actually the West is aggressors and they were trying to expand NATO. Okay, fine, all this is true. But then what I, I don't understand, how could he get into this war Take with the, the West, do this, if actually, if it is truly not Ukraine only, actually the Western resources, American resources, and all these combined yes. resources, so much like huger, so much more can be not destructive just even a, to Russia. Yeah, not just even American, but like the entire European. I said combined, yes. combined. Yes, combined. Yes. Then Russians, that this argument that he's actually using to almost like rile people up in Russia, you know, it's like, oh, this Americans, oh, this the Western people, oh, look at the, the flipped yeah. Ukraine in a way. It's like, I actually can, cannot no, fully comprehend it. No, what do you think about this? Because, okay, fine, it's all true. But then how can you do it? It's so many people going to die in Russia because of that. I don't, I don't well, know it's where not it's going to go. He's actually going to lose, like... Look, it's like this. It's like you, you, you're, you're watching. You're like sitting at. You're watch. You're sitting in your house. Let's say, right? And you're watching your neighbor that you hate. You hate. Right. Dig like a giant fucking pit in front of your eyes. Right. And fill it with like steaks and things like that, and like 
alligators and snakes and things like that. And like, and then, you know, and then like put, and you're watching the person doing it like from your window. And then, and and then, you know, the neighbor that you hate because he wants you to walk in there and fall into the trap and you're watching him doing it. And he like, they cover it with some sand or whatever. And you're like, I can walk over that sand. I don't care. You know, you, you walk right. And he, he walks right into a trap. You know, it's not even a trap because a trap has to be secret. A trap has to be. It wasn't a secret. It wasn't a secret. I mean, it's like it was public. And so he walked into it thinking that he could win. I mean, I, I just, I, that's what I, this is, this is the reason why. this rumors, or whatever, it's not rumors. It's, I guess, at this point, open intelligence, because it seems like even, um, what do you call native Western intelligence thought that if Putin's going to do something to Ukraine, Ukrainian, Ukraine going to fall quickly. Yes. Well, it actually doesn't sound completely insane that he was relying, yes. that he was relying on that, not his Western intelligence and thought, okay, they're like, they're, they think, no, they, no, no, no. Even they, yes. They think I can deal with those neighbors. I'm going to deal with them. They're not, yeah, the, the neighbor isn't sure about the trap, basically. Yes, yes. He's not sure it's going to work. No, it's true. But and now like, I'm thinking, yeah. uh, did they, I mean, it's goes many levels. No, maybe did they it's set the trap for him? Did they, is it a trap to spread their, like, intelligence? It's not intelligence if he knew about it, that he's going to win. You know what I, I'm I, saying? I mean, I don't think, so. I, I mean, it, I think it would be giving, I think it would be giving, NATO a little bit too much credit. That they were thinking it, like five steps ahead. And it would be erasing Putin's utter like egotistical stupidity, you know? Because I think, look, it's like this. I think he was looking at America. It was sort of bungling. You have this sort of bungling president. You know, there was like basically a kind of a, you know, with the Trump years, you know, and this total division in, in American society, there is like some cracks that are happening in NATO. He thought that like, he thought that really they wouldn't be able to respond or not they, only yeah. he there was intelligence no, that no. they thought no no but they thought they were talking specifically talking about Ukraine they thought they would right. give up yeah and so but it wasn't just like NATO or CIA I mean I think like you know kind of more independent or you know slightly independent military analysts didn't think that you know Ukraine ultimately didn't have a, a, you know wouldn't could resist for a little bit but ultimately would fall yeah but they were also I think thinking about a full-on military campaign I mean, in reality, like they didn't, you know, they didn't like fully bomb. I mean, they bombed, no. they bombed the cities, but they didn't like go on fully and like, you know, like carpet bomb Kiev or carpet bomb Kharkiv or carpet bomb Lvov. I mean, they didn't do that. Like there was enough, you know, damage that they made, did. And and they were doing these sort of strategic strikes, you know, sort of, but like they didn't like to go on and wage full on like World War II style uh, warfare, right? Or like, right. or like Chechen war style no. attack. It wasn't like that. I mean, they're do they did that in Mariupol. I mean, that's and and you can see what what happened there, well, you know, leveling entire entire neighborhoods, you know, giant portions of the city. But so maybe you know maybe and maybe they would be right that like if they did that, you know, we wouldn't hold. But it doesn't matter. He walked into the trap fully knowing it was late to set for him, and thinking that he could win. And and so, you know, I mean, and this is what amazes to me because you know I have a lot of readers who are sort of like you know I'm you know like on the Substack, like, you know, I'm sort of against the American empire, you know, and I'm general. And so people expect me immediately to side with Putin because they see him as like fighting against the American imperial power. And when I actually point out like this basic fact, like what we're talking about here is that even if you take Putin's, Putin at face, at face value, yeah. right? He, it's, it's such a, like, he, it's such an incompetent move. It's such like an overstretching of your own abilities and overconfidence in your abilities that you think you can just put a couple of tanks in front of Kiev and everybody will just scatter. 
that like even there he's failed you know so so and so he's had to come back you know and like you know they, they had to pull back all all their troops back to basically like the Donbass you know and like people immediately attack me like there are, people are unsubscribing I've never gotten so much hate mail actually you know right from people because like they see me as pointing out the obvious stupidity of 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 of, of like of just the tactic as like as as me being a shell is being immediately like in the, in the tank for for you know american imperialism or something it's it people really have a hard time believing that like putin could be that stupid uh which is which is kind of shocking to me you know like why can't people you know see the like the it's just it's 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 such an obviously superficial stupidity on his part and, and the only reason people don't see it are like they're completely blinded by their their hatred of sort of america and the american empire that they want someone to deal like a bloody strike you know on on this regime but putin is not doing that you know he's he's would he's definitely not doing that it's it's kind of incredible to watch uh, uh just how but uh i think you know uh, you know we should close because i think uh, do you want to close with just talking about his speech because i think it's a it's a great little speech that he gave during the may the may 9th parade he actually made claim like that he is representing a thousand years like you said and and but what's amazing is that like and and that and which is which is kind of interesting about you know his his web utilization of soviet memory and is that like the Soviet Union was a rejection of that of the of those thousands of years, right? Like it was a rejection of Tsarist Russia. It was a re- rejection of, of, it was like trying to build a new a new world on top of that. And and he and he actually tries to like fit it into a kind of a continuum. That, that so the Soviet Union is actually just part of the glorious, or at least like the Soviet victory over fascism is part of this glorious march forward of the Russian world that stretches from what's what's the guy's name? I can't I'm like Vladimir Monomach. Vladimir Monomach, who, who is the ruler of, of, of who was in Kiev in what, the twelfth century? Yeah. But, yeah. Um and so he's actually making a full like connection between uh twelfth century But that's the Kivian whole project Rus. behind yeah. the historical Russia when yeah. she says historical Russia. Usually that's what he means. The the continuity, the unity yeah. Yada yada yada. So it's yeah, it's so bizarre, you know, hearing it from him. Not that it, I don't know. It just I keep thinking, and we just started watching yesterday this um, mini series. I've heard a lot about, but I think maybe I watched it a little bit with my mom as a kid, but I don't really remember well. The Shield and the Sword mini series, whatever, from um, 1968. Putin was then a youth, what, 17 years old? And uh, supposedly it's um, kind of the movie, maybe it's exaggerated, but it's like one of his favorite movies and um, kind of the movie um, that semi-inspired him to go into the intelligence. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, I think you can find, I I wonder if there are subtitles, probably there are versions with subtitles, should be somewhere. Try to find something and link maybe to it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I know you can watch it actually on YouTube in Russian, um, but I don't know if it has subtitles. Maybe there should be some other resources. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good, and it it is actually about Russian agent who infiltrated um, kind of Nazi Germany. Yeah, pretty Soviet, successfully. Soviet agent. Yeah, Soviet. Yeah, sorry, not Russian. <laughs> yeah, Soviet Soviet agent. Well, um, he's part of the Ruskimir. That's right. Yeah. Yes. 
And supposedly it's actually based uh, on a, like a best-selling no- Soviet novel. And the novel is based on a real um, Soviet agent. Um, I think Alexander Svetlogorov, he's kind of famous. Uh, he actually managed to um, infiltrate them. He was also one of the organizers of the assassination of Bandera. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and he even came back um, to Soviet Union um, alive. And I think he lived like till mid 90s till he, he him he died when he was in his mid 90s but it's it's interesting to see that because in Russia there's this now big attention to and it's been like that for a while to this other movie brother and brother 2 Brat, brat, uh. by uh, this director Alexei Balabanov who supposedly he captured the spirit of Putinism un- inadvertently not knowing that kind of Putin in a way almost uh, oh, the character in the movie, yeah. in a way, is a prototype of Putin, of what Putin become during his rule, yeah. in a way. You know, people talk about it, and supposedly, I, I bet I bet it's not true, but some of the PR technologists that were talked about around Putin, Surkov, you know, the gray general yeah. of Putin from back in the day. Now Surkov, I think, is arrested or, or whatnot. Yeah, uh, but anyway, but back in the day, from like 10, 15 years ago, supposedly where it's like consciously semi-crafting the image of Putin based on Danilo Bagrov, which I I don't know, I could believe that. Why not? No, it makes sense because okay, the two the two the main slogans of the it's like Svaikni Brasayim. Yeah, that's what exactly uh, the slogans from the movie now fully became became the slogans of state propaganda. Yeah, and not just the state propaganda of the war propaganda. Yes. Uh, so the mission of this war, the whatever the special operation is, Svaikni Brasayim. We don't who we don't, we don't abandon our, our own. Yeah. yeah, that's from that movie. Then uh, a big one. Steel of Pravda. Yeah. Power is in truth. Yeah. Straight from the movie. You should, by the way, that movie is super easy to find, um, the first and the second, with the English subtitles because it's from the official distributor, Estava. It's definitely, uh, I think, even on you YouTube. You can find it on... You, you can I'm find sure, it because how big it sure was and still is. you can probably find pirated versions too, like online. So yeah, well. so anyway, it's it's bizarre and now it's, it's become fully... It's actually, they're really good films. They're yeah. good films, but ultimately, the more I think now, they're kind of pernicious in this weird yes, way. Yes, they're simplistic. They're, yes, no, they're, like, they're like Russian you know, nationalists. Yes, every yeah. time I watch it, I still get sucked in and I like it and the, yes. and the main guy the, the, the actor and actually the director who died pretty young um, shooting a film in the mountains from the avalanche actually uh, so the guy who plays yes. uh, the main character he's not with us anymore and I believe he wouldn't support this war but he became and his character is the symbol of Ruski Mir in a way of the Russian world no, it, it's yeah. kind of yeah, both it's, disgusting it's, and it's, surprising it's and, like sort of there's this anti-Americanism in it there's everything is in there. There's the anti anti Ukraine anti Bandera is in there, and Ukrainian fascists are in there, and but it's just about the simple kind of honest, uh, honorable, honorable Russian young man who basically like saves his brother, you know, right, and 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 saves his friends, and even saves a Russian prostitu- prostitute uh, from a black pimp in America and brings yeah. her back home. <laughs> Yes. Check it out. I don't know. I mean, it's very yes. simplistic, and now yeah. I think it's. I, I look at it slightly different eyes after all that's going on. Yeah. But but yeah. why well, I even wanted to talk about it because ultimately, no matter what PR thing they were doing, crafting Putin's image based on Danilo Bagrov, it's such bullshit. I think you should check out the Shield and the Sword because that's what Putin is, if anything. I mean, the slightly obviously watered down version. He's like a really quiet, actually, um, kind of just 
crafty quiet crafty cunning probably um you know high intelligence yeah intelligence officer i don't know how to put it and it's way more than the brother care it it just that it's way more has more veracity to put in there than in the the brothers movies because the brother is actually the antithesis of putin he's brave like okay if putin was that let's say they were crafting his image but he's also was ready to take on that image he would at least like put on the army uniform because he's not fighting he'd lead the troops show up there he he's referred to his glavni uh glavni commandership yeah. how you translate that because he's referred uh, to commander like in chief he's the commander of chief of in the chief, russian yeah. army uh he's like the ma- he's the main dude yes why are you sitting in your whatever they say well, doesn't matter bunker or what i mean gotcha. i mean biden is a commander in chief of american forces too you're not seeing I'm him go to iraq or wherever if, you know? if, if yeah. people draw this line between brother movie character to this he's antithesis of no, no but i'd say it's even, i'd say it's even more uh, there's even a better one it's like look because uh, brat and the daniela bagrov who plays this you know this main character no daniela bagrov is the character oh sorry yeah the, the character uh sergey badrov sergey badrov yeah yeah um he, you know he's actually straight he's always what he says he means and putin is the opposite no and also what he says he does yes Putin is the opposite. Bullshitter. Putin, both Putin is the crafty. What he says, it's like he thought that through and it's a lie and he's projecting, you know, and, and he's crafty and just like he's thinking, what am I going to say? I mean, there's truth. There's some truth to it. I mean, he, he in his, like, he, he's not always lying. I mean, there's truth to what he says, in, in, but like, but he's like thinking it through, you know, rather than like super, it's the truth is on the surface, you know? It's like he's, he's strategically thinking about what he's going to say and then saying it rather than Daniel Bagrov who is just you know he's like yeah it's it's the opposite he's not he's not a, he's not like trying trying to no, do, deceive uh, people it's yeah. good that the you know the um, actor director is not alive anymore because they're now been um sort of popularizing into saints basically as like of the of the Russian state of the, Ru- of yeah. the Ruski Mir yeah. yeah but also uh, this video of him goes around and fully like kind of copped it I don't know it's taken out of context but also I think if he was alive he wouldn't support this anyway he says on camera not in character just as an interview that when your country is at war with someone else you should be for your country and cannot criticize it while it's at war and for your people and only when whatever the war ends then yeah. you can be whatever critical do you think let me ask and this, they use that do you think do you think you think you'd be you'd be against the war now you think i'm pretty sure yeah yeah because of the discuss not because of any war not yes. just he's because he's like the, pacifist. the kind of war is. yeah yeah yeah. the kind of war not because he's a pacifist who's like a vegan or whatever not that the kind of war the hypocrisy the yes. horror i i think the it's bullshit. impossible the, 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 the bullshit bu- yeah. the bullshit because if if seal of pravda yes <laughs> you know uh powers and truth you know have one of his slogans this is not what's going on all right no this is not there's no truth there so it's just like there's like tiny little truth element and everything else is lying bullshit build, build up on it's it it's manipulative yeah. it's very manipulative so i think he, no i think uh, no he would he wouldn't support it <laughs> and um and it's, yeah. yeah no it's yeah so, so yeah and it's interesting n- neither he nor the director of those movies is alive now so i guess good for them you know i mean like what's interesting about the the film right is because it was made at a time right when the russian state and sort of the russian officialdom right in russia was like corrupt and against the people yeah and so like um 
you know, it was made in a different time. So it was like almost like a grassroots power, right? Full yes, grassroots, yeah. like and a so guy. He was against the system. He plays a guy, um, like kind of like a simple Russian guy who comes b- back uh, from Wait. from a Chechen war. Yes. And he's this kind of young veteran and he doesn't know what to do. And he gets sucked into the petty criminal world of his brother who is in with this weird mafia guys, in short. Yes. And he has to rescue him from these mafia guys who are like want him killing. Who turn against yeah. his brother, yeah. And yeah, and so, but like, and 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 so, like, I don't know. The Russian state isn't shown in a very good way, uh, into when it is shown, right? Like, it's just everything's like corrupt. So it's a very, it's a very grassroots. But look, it's the, the usual thing. What they do, it's like they co-opted the immortal regimen. Yes. They co-opted the movie. They co-opted anything that will serve any kind of their their purpose, yeah. and also that that has actually anything kind of any real va- in them, because yes. they need to attach themselves to something real because it seems like everything that they manufactured from the start yes. that ha- has no grassroots even to begin with something like the uh, nashi yes. uh, it doesn't survive there's like it's just uh, it's like works as a social it's artificial and when you put when you pull out, out support it just collapses it collapses yeah. fully and just some people from there um, upstarts they would use it as just um, what do you call it social a, spring, a springboard a ladder to social elevator yeah, yeah. other than that there's like there was nothing there from the beginning and nothing when it completely like evaporates so I think they probably realized I don't know they definitely need to attach themselves to something a bit something more grassroots real. So, yeah, and they have to yeah. attach themselves to the mortal regiment to victory day to this movie called Brat and Brat 2 and like the right. kind of the ethos that it pr- presents. And yeah. that's super surprising. That's really the first year it happened, I think really because of the invasion. There was um, anniversary of Tarkovsky, I think mm. in April, coincided, and they decided to do it large. There were big <laughs> posters of him, um, I think I can't remember. Was wow. it like in the center? There were movie theaters, multiple that. movie theaters, not just indie. I didn't know that. Retrospective, wow. and okay. So what they did? I mean, I love Tarkovsky. I want Russian people to watch him in Russian movie theaters because actually, when he was making the movies, they either were not released or very like limited release, and very few people actually saw them in movie theaters. Maybe some people in Moscow, like my mom, but it's like actually. I feel like Tarkovsky is known and respected more in the West than in Russia. But now what they're doing, they're trying to popularize him and show him because he was like a Russian Orthodox kind of. He kind of fits somehow their version, like a weird semi-reflection. Everything, like of the the Ruski Mir. So now he's part of this Russian world. They everything's forgotten. Whatever the problems, <laughs> uh, Soviet Union, um, oh, and they had with him, or oh, maybe it even suits them because you know ultimately they're actually critical of Soviet Union. Of course. So it doesn't contradict the fact that he had problems there as a you know. Well, he's but he, he, he I mean his his films are very mystical, right? And yeah. and like they're like they they chat they chat yes spiritual and channel this kind of Russian spirituality, especially the Andrei Rublev film and. No, but uh, they show everything. Yeah. And and it, but it has that like the 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 Russian countryside that he shows that he, and this kind and of yeah, like but yet his people are so or his films are so I mean they're not very what do you call it like they're not people's films like no, all no, the no. characters <laughs> there that's an interesting thing when I showed you and you talked about it like yeah like you phrased it better than I could like even if they were widely shown and not censored in Russia yes. in, in Soviet Union let's say they were they, he had no problems with uh, you know uh, Soviet apparatchiks ad- administration and they were shown i feel like you know very few actually saw it people could relate to them yeah. the way people talk what they talk about how they look how they even move there's something there that is 
a bit too what what would you call it like intellect like yeah it's intellectual a, it's the intelligentsia they're very, it's very avant-garde and very um right very like yeah they're very intellectual films yeah you know, deeply and like but also they're uh, not they're not easily um accessible i mean no, i'd say the, i mean not easily digested no no because they're like because even the even the you know the the cult films like solaris i mean the, these are films that are like i don't know they're like there's nothing nothing happens uh, it's just a, it's a philosophical talk and you know. uh, i don't know if people realize that he's not probably in russia was never popular in Soviet Union and still not popular. And no, there's not a one museum. There are barely any books you can buy. There, there are more books you can buy, I would see in Los Angeles bookstore yes. about him. On the window, on the, like the, in the window. Yes, yes. the big books then in Russia. So there's nothing there. And now I wonder if, if it will change and how, I mean, it's surreal, but they're propping him up now. Maybe more people, it's cool if young people watch it and for it, but with what kind of, from what angle were they through yeah. what kind of lens. Yeah. I mean, he would definitely be against the war. Yeah, very much, <laughs> and against would, Putin and all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, but but I mean, one of the reasons also they're doing that, right, is because all the Western uh, distribution companies pulled their films from yeah, there. Yeah, there's so a they, reason. So they, they they also needed to fill their fil- movie theaters with something, and so yeah. they like picked up picked basically the most cult, the most like you know the biggest Russian names that kind of that present some kind of Russianness, and they're like putting them in all the movie theaters and like you know basically showing them 24/7. If I was there I was like cool I'm going but yeah. I'm... it's like uh, yeah I mean it would be it would be amazing to see like all of Tarkovsky's films in like a movie theater yeah. No 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 and I, just to I don't exaggerate there were retrospectives before they were just so small there was yes. a man movie theater all sold out there will be all this you know whatever oh, my friends and I would go yell there but not like yeah. not like this year. This is not. Do you think like like on the, uh, there would be like the movie theaters on Arbat are like showing all the Tarkovsky films, like the I main don't know. like. I need to check exactly what was happening. Like but anyway, on this note. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing. Good night. Have a good night. Amen.